Lord, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And you love us, Lord. You care deeply about every one of us, Lord. And we just take a moment in our service right now to acknowledge you and honor you and worship you today. Lord, thank you for the miracles in our midst that you are performing. We give you all the honor and the glory and the worship today. Lord, we thank you for this amount that has been given over this last 12-month period and this amount for our strengthening home offering over and above. And Lord Jesus, we just honor you today. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as we continue this series today, God, money, and me, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord God, and encourage us, Lord. And I pray your people would be blessed, Lord God. Your favor would be upon us, Lord Jesus, and that we would be blessed to be a blessing. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can take a seat this morning. Come on forward a bit, guys. Well, today, as we've mentioned, today is part four in our God, Money and Me series. And uh, to be honest with you, when it comes to this series, my heart has just been to see families and individuals' lives blessed and overflowing to such a way that we would see the outflowing effect on our community, on our workplaces, our colleagues, our friends, all those people that we were around, that there would be an overflow blessing that would be, we would be blessed to be a blessing towards others. And some of the great stories that I have heard over these last few weeks from talking to a couple couple of weeks ago that told me that they've seen a double increase in their work over this time and we've been praying for them and believing for that. And I just think, those are the things that I think, this is what this series is about. When I think about the whole series about money, to me it's more of a relationship series than anything else. Because money has such an effect and an impact on our relationships. We talked about the impact it has on marriages. We talked about the impact it has on families and, and kids and children. The impact it can have in our lives when it comes to how finances can sometimes feel like they make the choices for us. It can have a huge impact. And today is part four of the series. Next week, we'll complete the series. It'll be our last session. I'm looking forward to speaking and, uh, and doing the last session uh, with you. We're going to pray for financial breakthrough over every person in, uh, that's part of City Church. And I believe that in Jesus' name. But today, I think it's quite fitting because the topic today is money's multiplication. And uh, we've just seen money's multiplication in a miracle working way in our church, and it's just fallen on this week for it to be this topic. And so I have Brendan Jones, who is an incredible part of this church, Brendan and Sharon, and their seven incredible kids. They just they bring a crowd wherever they go. And uh, we love the Jones. There's often the, the phrase that's been coined, keeping up with the Joneses. And uh, we're doing our best to keep up with the Joneses here at City Church. But I love Brendan and Sharon. I love their faithfulness to God. I love their faithfulness to the house of God. And I love the fact that their children have been raised in the house of God and having great impact uh, in their own right today as well. I think that's amazing. And obviously, Lindsay Harris, who uh, is a legend in this church. And uh, we love Lindsay and Fiona. And uh, I love their heart for missions. I love their heart to be a blessing to other people. And what I've always found with you, Lindsay, and I want to honor you for this, is you're just a great encourager. You always speak to the the, the God qualities in people. And uh, I just feel like a million dollars whenever you're around me. I just feel like my shoulders lift. I just feel like um, you just always put strength into people and I want to honor you for that today and uh, we really appreciate that. But uh, Lindsay and Brendan today are going to help me on this panel as we talk about money's multiplication and so they're in the hot seat today 
And I just thought I'd start by asking this morning, have you seen a financial miracle in your life before? And maybe you could tell, talk to us a little bit about what that miracle has maybe looked like. How, how long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a few examples. Um, when Sharon and I first decided that we wanted to homeschool our kids, it meant that we were going to go to one income and... And then we started having kids and we sort of didn't stop for a while. And <laughs> they didn't have a TV. <laughs> By the time Mary and Chloe came along and we had six and Sam was still only seven years old and was still living on one income, we were getting by but it was pretty tight at times and so we borrowed money off the parents a few times and we'd always tithed both of us since we were teenagers and you know we had to, we had to stop that for a while but we managed to catch up again later but... A year or two after um, we had six kids, I just had this amazing change of income at my work and um, it enabled us to, um, you know, build a big... or move to a bigger house because we weren't going to fit in the one we are in once the kids got bigger. So that was a real blessing to us and it was sort of came after we'd already stepped out, so that was a real miracle. And um, in 2009, Sharon wanted to go on that Watoto mission and... We, we really didn't have the money, but she went along to the information night and we thought, well, if the money it comes somehow, then she'll go. And a couple of weeks later, we got a cheque in the mail for more than half the amount from our health fund that merged with another health fund. And um, another little miracle, which I really like, it's very small, but it was at a, a significant time in my life when I was really stressed about money and we're away on holidays and... Just And there was some stuff going on at work that was going to possibly affect my income. And um, we, wanted to, we brought, took some boogie boards with us on our holiday, but one of them didn't have a wrist strap. And I thought, ah, stupid boogie board. So I went to the shops and they were like 30 bucks and I'm going, I'm not buying that. I haven't got the money at the moment. And so I went and started hitting some golf balls around on this local rugby football field for half an hour or so. And then when I went collecting the golf balls... In the middle of a football field was a boogie board wrist strap. And it, just, and it just reminded me that God knows all the tiny little details. And it was, it was just it was a stupid little thing, but I just ran home with this boogie board wrist strap. So excited just to know that God knows all the little details. I love that. That's so true. God's into every detail of our life. What about yourself, Lindsay? Uh, look, God has, God has been incredible all through my life. I remember when I was a youth worker, my accountant said, um, I can't work out how with nine-tenths of your salary you can do what you do because I can't do it with the ten-tenths on the figure sheets. But God just keeps blessing you. And uh, I wanted to share with you just, just one example. When uh, our 35th wedding anniversary was coming up, we just had to sell our business. We'd, we were left with a very, very large debt. Um, in our budget, we had just enough money to, to, to make do, to be able to, to pay our tithes, to, to pay our bills. And um, I wanted to bless my wife. It was our 35th wedding anniversary. And I went down to the plaza and there was a bangle. It was half price. And I, it was one that I knew was something she really would love. So I prayed and prayed and prayed for a week. And God's peace just came upon me and said, go and buy it. Now, the budget said, no, you can't afford it. <laughs> But I had, had a piece of God, which, you know, Philippians says, you know, in anything, you know, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and his peace, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Jesus. I had this incredible peace, so I went out and bought it. My wife's response wasn't, oh, you shouldn't have. It was just, you shouldn't have. <laughs> we can't afford this. 
But God moved miraculously in three weeks' time. The business I was working with went out of business and I was unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) And you'd think, hey, what is God doing? But God's peace just remained with me and remained with me because if I hadn't have gone out of business, hadn't have lost my job then, I wouldn't have been looking for another job. And of course, God raised the opportunity for me to go to Nauru. And the wages in Nauru were better than the wages I was getting at the place I had before. And I had the money to be able to pay off the, the present. So God, God blesses us in just incredible ways like that. And uh, you know, sometimes it feels like he's, he's not there. But you know, if God's peace is upon you, then you just know that uh, God's going to make a way even when it doesn't seem like there is a way. So good. So I wanted to ask you both this morning, what disciplines have you put in place in your life that when you look at and you look back upon them, you can see that that's impacted seeing money multiply in your life because you've put those uh, strong disciplines in your life. For me, one of the key things is that I learnt, um, I suppose fairly early, to budget. So I actually, you know, I will sit down and I'll look at what I've got. God's, God moves in faith when we know the truth. It's not out of ignorance. So, you know, when I sort of feel like I want to give money... Um, if I give it and I don't realise that I haven't got it, that's just ignorance. But if I know that I haven't got it, and yet I feel still compelled by God to give, then that's faith. Yeah. So it's really important, I think, to know where your, your, your finances are, and then from that position, know what God's calling you to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, the discipline of tithing has just been the greatest yeah. foundation of our finances and our money management. We both um, were blessed to be encouraged before we met when we were teenagers to tithe and we both did and um, continue to and I'm just sure that's been, um, yeah, definitely the foundation for our finances. And another really good discipline I think you need in your life when it comes to money is the discipline of hard work. You know, it says in Colossians 3 to work as though you're working for the Lord and I've I've always tried to um, be the best employer I can at work and and um, I know sometimes it's not that easy if you haven't got a good boss, but I'm quite lucky. And he even comes to church with me, so. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So we were talking, Brendan, through the week about some of the um, things that you put in place in your family when it comes to finances and, and obviously the way you've raised your kids and you've talked about money and the impact it can have in your life and, and setting up good structures and things to be able to help your kids be set up for the future and I thought maybe you could speak today to us a bit about some of those things and, and what you put in place and how you've talked to your family I think it would be a great insight for say parents that are here today to think about oh that's a great idea to be able to help me in setting up my kids and help them to have a good concept of money well we obviously encourage them to tithe too and you know since they had paper rounds and whatever other little jobs they've had they've done that and Levi's um, a good example of that with his paper round he's got now and he squirrels away his tithe first thing before the savings. Um, and also we've encouraged our kids that, you know, buying secondhand stuff is good. Garage sales are good. Junk, junk collections are really good. <laughs> you can always get some good stuff from there. Um, but one, one really good story that um, we've really been blessed by is... It was as a result of having seven kids. People would often say, how are you going to pay for the weddings? (laughs) Good question. (laughs) We're going to receive a miracle offering after the service. (laughs) We've got a big backyard. Will that do? (laughs) Um, None of them want to get married in the backyard. Anyway, um, 
God just dropped this idea in Sharon's head one day, you know, because we'd always thought that once the kids start working, they'll start paying board once they had um, a reasonable income or a full-time income. And Sharon said, well, why don't we put the board away into um, separate accounts and just keep it? And we use that to pay for their weddings because um, we haven't got the board, so it's not like we're going to miss it because we haven't had it. And so we just started putting it away and the kids didn't know about it. Then when Sam and Lauren got engaged and started discussing the wedding plans and then we told them how much money they had already, they were very excited. <laughs> All the other kids found out about it and now they happily pay board. <laughs> and um, last year we had two weddings in one year. Didn't hurt a bit. I love that. That's fantastic. What about yourself, Lindsay, when it comes to your kids? What, what kind of things did you talk about when it came to money in your household? I think the, the key thing was not so much talking but catching. Yeah. Um, that uh, as Fiona has always had a generous heart and, uh, and all three of our kids, I'm just so pr- proud of, of all of them, that they, they have a generous heart as well, that they, they don't see money as being something that they, that they keep. They see, see, see it as something that they can give. Mm. Um, and I think that um, you know, your, your children see what you do and how you act and how you respond to money. And uh, it's, it's so great to be able to see, see our children actually responding in ways that, that you know, is pleasing to the Lord. Yeah, that's great. So I would say both of, of you are people that I would, I would call generous. Generous with your words, generous with your time. Um, no doubt I'm sure you're generous with your finances and, and other people. And I, I've seen that, buying meals for other people and caring about other people in that way. And so I wanted to ask you this morning, how is being a good steward of your finances and, and like we've talked about budgeting and putting those things in place, how, how have you felt that that has equipped you to be generous, to be that kind of person that can be a blessing towards other people? We've talked about that scripture, you're blessed to be a blessing. But there is a, a blessing in the stewardship of looking after your finances so that you are in a place to be able to do that. How have you felt like that's impacted your life? <laughs> I've stumped them. You have. I, th- um, I think as I'm getting older now and thinking, you know, my working life's getting shorter, the, the challenge is probably getting harder to continue to think about being generous when I'm thinking about my future. Yeah. So to be honest, I'd say even though I want to be generous now, it's probably harder. Um, and I think I've had more stress and anxiety over money and stuff in the last few years than I've ever had, and it's probably and fear creeps in at times, yeah. and um, wondering about the future just because I think, hey, I'm not going to be earning money forever. Yeah. Um, but the heart's there still to be generous, and I still feel like I am blessed to be a blessing. So, but it's probably a bit more of a struggle now than it yeah. was when I was younger, I suppose. I don't know if that's a good answer. No, that's good. I I love that. That's one of the things I've really loved about the panel over these last few weeks is the honesty that's come from this panel because I don't think any of us feel like we have got this owned when it comes to money. Stress, fear, anxiety, doesn't matter what stage of life you are at, it affects all of us. From the person that's coming out of school and trying to manage how will I ever rent a house or how will I ever own a house to being at the other end where you are looking to go into retirement and the fear of have I got enough? Uh, and all in between, and the stresses, it affects us all. And so I actually really appreciate that honesty. And I think if we're up here saying, no, it's never a stress, it's never a worry, <laughs> I think we're just lying to ourselves. Yeah. 
And that's why we're doing this series, because we want to be able to have an overcoming mindset when we talk about that. So what about yourself, Lindsay? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that, that I, I struggle with, and uh, I suppose Nuru's helped me a little bit with this as well, is that, you know, we constantly get bombarded on the, on the TVs and on radio and through, through social media on how we should, you know, how, how we should spend our money. Um, like like uh, Brendan was saying, you know, you know we're, we're told that we've got to have the newest, the best and whatever, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we, we get, uh, get caught up in that and, and I suppose for us, you know, we, we're getting told, you know, have you got a million dollars to be able to retire? And of course, you know, I'm nowhere even close. <laughs> Um, but then I look at uh, the people in Nauru who have nothing, and they don't worry about those sort of things. They just they just know that God's going to look after them, um, and that's I suppose it's helped me a little bit. Uh, and I suppose I've been a bit frivolous in the last couple of years where we've just gone on holidays rather than save our money for for ret- retirement. Um, so um, just just learning to to, to know that uh, what the world tells you is that uh, you've got to rely on the world, you've got to rely on money to be happy. Yeah. What God tells us is we've got to rely on God. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's always a struggle because we're constantly being bombarded one way. Yeah. We've, got, we've got, to, got to encourage one another and, and focus in on the fact of God is good. His yeah. children don't lack. Yeah. And uh, we can trust, trust in God and we can, we can, can seek him. But we need to keep, well, no, I, I need to anyway, keep constantly reminding myself of that because I get bombarded with, with the negative thoughts. Fantastic. What a great thought to finish on. Our trust is in God not in money. And uh, I think that's a a fantastic thought. And so would you give these guys a huge hand this morning? Thank you so much. Incredible. Well, we're going to look at part four, money's multiplication. Why don't you have a look to the screens? so great to have you joining me as we're in part four of our God, Money and Me curriculum and uh, incredibly moved by the fact that God has so much more than we've ever imagined, that we've ever thought about. And today I want to look at the reality of living a different kind of life, a different kind of mindset, because we are talking about how do we create a pathway to financial freedom? How do we unlock the generations that come after us? But I think it begins really in the way we see our response, not just what we do, but the spirit behind it. I want to think about and talk about how we can move from just an additioned kind of frame or mindset. It's like, God is good. I know that. And we're doing okay. And that's cool. And I'd like to get it a little better. That's addition. But move from addition to multiplication. I want to talk about money's multiplication, both in our finances and in our futures, how that we can live all kinds of lives. In fact, I think some of God's kids are not even living in addition. They could be living in subtraction. It's kind of like, you know, negative thinking and allowing the past to dominate us can often cause us to go backwards. What God wants to do is to change the way we think, to trust his word, to actually think the right kind of thoughts and have the right posture of leaning. Uh, Some Christians, unfortunately, even create division. 
It's kind of like the old attitudes of just, uh, you know, judging people and, and always pointing the finger at others. But that's not the kind of walk that God wants us to walk, particularly in our material world. He wants to see us move from just getting through to seeing addition and then multiplication really grabbing our hearts. And as we do that, God is going to do so much more through us. You see, God's promises, they require our activation of the right way of living, the principles that God gives us. We've looked at money spirit and the fact that there is a test when it comes to money. We've looked at the spirit of myths, how that wrong thinking can so lock us up. Today, as I said, we want to talk about money's multiplication, the fact that God wants to bless us. Come on, let's begin by praying. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a big God. You're an all-able God. And often we do admit that our humanity suffers and gives way to the environment we're in. But we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us to have the kind of attitude that believes for a greater today and an even better tomorrow. That God, because of who you are and because we're your children, we're not here just to be blessed for blessing's sake, but we're here to be a blessing to others. And so we pray that you will cause us to have the right kind of expectation, right kind of spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin by going to Proverbs chapter 8. In fact, in verse 17, it's God speaking and he says this, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. It's kind of, it's easy sometimes to give in to just the season of life we're in and we can park or we can just accept our course of life. It's been like that for such a long time. We're happy with that. But God says, no, come on, let there be a diligence in the way that you're in pursuit of me. There's more to discover. The next line is very challenging. God says, riches and honor are with me. In fact, enduring riches and righteousness. It's an amazing thing that God would put righteousness and enduring riches. I think this whole thought of creating a financial pathway is we've got to realize that the decisions we're making today and our understanding, once it's aligned to God's word, it's got this generational effect. There's an echo that goes on and on. In fact, when we get the money thing right, the gospel will have so much more potency in its reach because we'll be able to help those in need. It goes on to say, I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths or pathways of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. You know, for a lot of our thinking, it's kind of like, that's really foreign. But I feel what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to understand is that we've got to accept our inheritance. God has such a huge future for us all the way through God, money, and me. The revelation of 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that actually I should be at a place where I have sufficiency, but not just for me, an abundance for every good work. And as we remember, God is wanting us to be positioned so that we can build a foundation for financial freedom, not just for us, but generationally. Our spirit's got to change, our expectation. Uh, I had an incredible upbringing. My mum and dad loved God. Eight kids. Uh, we had no choice. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night. They were business people. 
worked incredibly hard. In fact, my mum, having all eight of us, never, ever stopped work. Talk about having a work ethic. That was my mum. But they came from an era being born in Holland at the end of the Second World War where they knew what it was to go without. And as we grew up as kids, they often said to us, you know, be thankful. Then they would say, you need to be happy with what you've got because you've got to realize we had nothing and what we have here in New Zealand is so much more. And even though that's right, there was a tone that was attached that I've had to challenge in my own life. You see, they never once encouraged me to go to university or in many parts of the world to go to college. It was like, you're doing okay. Be thankful for that. Rather than the spirit of God and the spirit of what multiplication is all about is a spirit that says, I've got to break through into more so that I can use that for more of the kingdom. Uh, it was Jabez in First Chronicles chapter 4, and his name means to be born in pain. You'll know the prayer most likely. It says that he prayed, he cried out to God, and he said, God, that you would bless me indeed. God, that you would enlarge my territory. Then he says, so that I would not repeat the pain of what I've been through. Imagine for a moment, the generations that follow you are in a totally different place as they begin life to where you were because you had a spirit of multiplication. You believed that eye has not seen. You believe that ear has not heard. You believe that God was so big and that you learned more about walking the right kind of pathways. See, to have the breakthrough, we've got to become an active recipient. What I mean by that is we've got to actually believe that God wants us to live in an expanding world and in our finances that we will become an answer for more and more. I dream of the day where the church, again, whether you love her or you despise her, She's the place to go to if you have financial need. She's the place to go to if you're lacking. In fact, John chapter 15, Jesus was teaching the disciples and he said in verse 7 and then went on in verse 8 and said these words, Hey, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, we all believe that, we all get that, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. And then note this, by this, you're asking of more. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit and that you will be my disciples. You go, Paul, you know, I, I was taught like that as well. It's like, just be happy with it. No, God wants to prepare us for a future that's bigger than anything we've ever experienced. And the thing is, I am called to bear more fruit. Why? because there are people that need that fruit. Think about it as a parent, uh, Marie and I, we've had three incredible boys. We've got three daughter-in-laws. We've got grandchildren. You know, think about this question. If you as a parent had huge resources at your disposal and your child came to you and said, I really want this, whatever it was, I really want this. And you knew it wasn't just a whim because they constantly... We're talking about it. They just wouldn't let it go away. I'm dreaming of it. I, I so want it. And you had the ability to give it to them. And you realized they were ready for it. 
Why? Because they really wanted it. But two, they had enough character and enough understanding that it wouldn't destroy them. You'd give it to them because it's really what they want. You know, the heart of the Father is the same for us. He so loves us. He wants us to break through in things as long as we're ready for it. And yet the enemy wants us to park. He'll either work at separating us from God or causing us to accept a survival kind of mindset. Just get through. Be happy with what you got. No, money needs multiplication. It needs a spirit that says, you know what? I'm thankful for what I have, but God, we need more. We need to see you more. Psalm 2, again, let's go to God's word. Verse 7, I will declare this decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Note the word, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. What I had to learn was this, is that God responds to an activated and persistent ask. For years, the echo of my parents was in my brain. It was like, just just be thankful. You don't ask for a second biscuit. You don't ask for anything more than what you actually have been given. Whereas God works the opposite. It's James that writes and he says, you know what? If you fail to ask, you're going to fail to access. And in creating a financial future, we're going to believe in it. We've actually got to take God's word. That's why I'd encourage you, even with the book, God, Money and Me, don't just read it once. Read it over and over. Concentrate on God's word in the series. Think about it. Discuss it openly and say, okay, what do I need to learn from this? James 4 is where he writes this. It's verse 2. And this is what he says. If, if uh, you want, James writing, you want what you do not have. You, in fact, scheme and try to get it, even kill together. You're jealous of others and you can't get it, so you fight. Sounds like the human race and sometimes the church. But this next line is the powerful line. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Wow. And even if you did ask God for it, you got the wrong motive, which is to just pleasure yourself. Can you imagine being a part of a generation that, doesn't want to break through just because of them. They want to have all sufficiency in all things, but they need an abundance for every good work. And I do believe that God will honor those that honor him. Remember Jabez, his ask was, God, I need an enlarged territory so that I won't repeat my beginning. I want to be the answer. I want to be a answer to people that are struggling today in areas that I struggled in or others are struggling in saying, God has an answer for you. Uh, It would be a great exercise to go to Luke 18 and actually read verses 1 through 8. It's the story of a widow woman, and uh, she's got no material resource. But I love the power of the story because her only answer to a situation that she had with somebody was the judge in the city making a decision. And so she goes to the judge and she asks the judge, just to deal with the situation. And the judge basically says, you've got nothing and I'll do it for money, but I don't care about you, you go away. And yet she just persistently kept at the judge. She just kept saying, I'm not accepting it. I'm not accepting it. You need to make a ruling on my behalf. In fact, the judge in the end got so sick of her asking. This is what he said. He says, though I don't regard God or man because she troubles me, I will avenge her or I will come to her aid. 
lest she just continues to worry me out. What Jesus said in Luke 18 was this, very interesting. He said, I want you to hear what the unjust judge said. And then he says this word, will not God, think about it, also avenge his own people if they cry out day and night. Though he bears long with them, he will eventually, come on, come speedily. And then Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? There has to be in our pathway, you know, our next section, we're talking about the whole four components. But before we get there, you can do all of the right stuff, but the spirit on which you do it is so important. Multiplication multiplies when you mix it with an unwavering expectation. I've got to believe that God has more for me tomorrow. I've got to believe that what my past has experienced is something that God can deal with and take me to a new future. You know, you may have suffered incredible failures. In fact, right now you may feel that your money issues are just completely out of control. Your debt may be incredibly huge. I'm telling you, the next time we come together and the next section, the final section, you'll find it's not over yet. You know, I'm a, I'm a sports lover, and uh, if I can get the control, I keep watching the sports. Uh, but what I've learned about sports have been great lessons for life. I've discovered that if you're going to be a part of a winning team or you're going to bring your best across the line, basically a winning team does a number of things very well. And I think this comes into our Christian walk. You see, a winning team, first and foremost, doesn't look at the scoreboard. It's, it's easy sometimes to look at the scoreboard and say, I'm so far behind, what's the point? Maybe you feel like that today in your financial world. I'm telling you, don't allow the enemy, come on, to cause you to accept survival. Remember your life was called to be significant. Don't look at the scoreboard. Don't allow what hasn't happened to determine what God said will happen. Or secondly, you might be far ahead. Don't look at the scoreboard. Don't see it as something that causes you to settle down. God has got more for you. God has got so much more. Not only will they not look at the scoreboard, they'll keep to the game plan. Uh, we have a saying here in New Zealand, particularly with rugby, you've got to play the whole 80 minutes. And I think sometimes in our lives, you know, we start out good. Maybe as I shared in the last segment is that you have committed to honor God with your tithe and you started out well. But have you kept to the game plan? You go, well, yeah, but I'm not breaking through. Remember, it's one of the ingredients. We'll touch on that next time. But keep to the game plan. If God's word says it, stay with it. And then I think the third thing I've learned is they commit 100%, not just the full 80 minutes, but 100% of themselves right up until, come on, the game is finished. If we could do that, if we could master that spirit that says, yeah, it is a drought season. Yeah, there doesn't seem a, to be a whole lot of fruit on the vine, but God said there would be his provision even in the drought. Or as Psalm 35 says, and I personally love to reflect on this psalm for my own walk. In verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say, which is you and I, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. 
Get that. Imagine for the next week, every morning getting up and reading that out, I'm going to shout and be glad because you are the God that says, as we magnify you, you have pleasure in our prosperity. Maybe another great verse would be to contemplate Galatians 6 and verse 7. And this is pretty strong. I think sometimes we have some scriptures we've heard so often we don't even stop to realize how strong they are. Paul writes and he says, don't be deceived. Remember, God is not mocked. Whatever we sow determines what we reap. The words deceived is literally to be seduced. To be led off the way is the original. To end up roaming about. Many of us know the truth, but we've been led off the way. And we end up not just being deceived, but mocked, which is ridiculed because we don't break through. And our futures reflect the seed we sow. God's way works. Galatians 6 and verse 8, another great scripture. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to his spirit of his spirit will reap everlasting life. There's the carnal nature and the God nature. And we've got to learn to trust God in every area and particularly in our financial area. The enemy knows that seed releases harvest. But we are called, again, Galatians 6, not to grow weary in doing good. For in due season, in the right season, we will reap if we don't lose heart and make sure that we do it. One of our boys came home with a school project and he'd been given a little bean seed and some soil. And and, uh, many years ago, he said, Dad, can you help me? And we put it in a container and he put his finger in, we put the seed in, we put the soil on top. We put moisture onto it, water, and then we put it in the, uh, the, the, the cupboard that had warmth associated. It was our hot water cylinder on top. And uh, I said, we're just going to leave it now for a while and God's going to do a miracle. The seed's going to grow. Well, the next morning I came out and the door was slightly ajar to the hot water cupboard. And uh, I went there and sure enough, the, our son had been in there overnight and he'd gone to inspect to see if the seed had grown. He had actually dug it all and you could see where he had done it. You know, very real to human nature. Maybe today, as I'm saying, it's been a long time coming. But when you embrace, and this is why I am excited about our next section, the four principles you will be guaranteed of a financial breakthrough. You will have a generation that will see God's blessing. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. Live tight, you have a tight future. Liberal, a liberal future. But it actually is to do with the health of your heart. Think about this. Heart health determines seed size. When I know I can trust God, I know then I can trust His Word. And God is able, remember, to make all grace abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency. You have the grace, the abundance, the supply, and the wonder of being able to help others. Maybe you find it's still challenging. Maybe you go, you know what, right now to be a sower is a challenging thing. Yes, it always is. But God promises, again, Scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, that He will provide seed to the sower. What comes first, the sower or the seed? He says, the sower comes first. He will provide seed to the sower. 
Think about it. He's looking for the right spirit. He's looking for a right channel. And when you and I become that kind of channel with expectation, he's going to give good measure, pressed down and shaken together. I want to encourage you today. The beginning of seeing the principle come to life is having the right kind of spirit, a spirit of expectation, a spirit that believes God can do it. God is able. And when we ask with persistency and expectation, he will come through. I want to encourage you, be somebody that expects a greater tomorrow than your yesterday. It's been great looking at the challenge of money multiplying. That's week four done, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday as we're going to complete the series and really pray and seal everything that we've heard over this time. Can I encourage you, if you haven't already received a book, can I encourage you to jump online and and buy a copy of it if you haven't got one, or if someone's read one that you know, then maybe borrow it off them, because it will be a great blessing to you and just really help solidify some of the word that we've been hearing over these last few weeks. But I'd love if you could stand with me now. I'd just love to pray over you this morning and... It was a real challenging word today for every one of us to be able to step out in faith when it comes to our life and trust God over sometimes the anxieties and the worries that that come in our life when it comes to money. And so I want to pray for you this morning. Would you reach out your hands to God this morning? 